My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience, your 20-minute thrill ride for your commute or your workout. Twitter has added some ambiguous rules that could increase censorship and bias. I'll get you the details. Another so-called progressive mayor is realizing that defunding the police is leading to increased crime. Huh. Another reason your gas price is up is that banks are refusing service to oil companies. Some states are fighting back. You won't believe how many porch pirates stole packages this year. And Chris Cuomo, finally suspended from CNN. Will anyone notice? It's all coming up this hour of the Greg Knapp Experience. Sometimes I crack myself up. Let's go. All right, so Twitter safety has put out a little notice. And it says that Twitter is updating their existing private information policy to include private media. That would be, you know, people like me and you, right? The misuse of private media. Oh, oh, no, no. What they really mean, Greg, not your private Twitter account. They mean other people's private media that, that you take and you put up there and you didn't get permission from them. Oh, that, well, I don't want to do that to anybody. That sounds like good protection. Well, read on. Private media can affect anyone but can have a disproportionate effect on women, activists, dissidents, and members of minority communities. What are they talking about? They're talking about pictures or videos of other people without their permission. Why would it disproportionately affect women, activists, dissidents, and members of minority communities any more than anybody else? I don't understand that. But when we receive a report that a tweet contains unauthorized private media, we will now take action in line with our range of enforcement options. Okay, so the first thing that pops up into my mind is, Wait a second, what are they talking about? Are they talking about like me stealing somebody's video from their home computer or their or their home video camera and putting it online? Okay, I get that. But are they talking about somebody just kind of walking out on the street and maybe they're in the background or photobombing a picture I took and I put it up there? Or are they talking about maybe me filming a protest? Or I don't know, maybe even a riot or maybe looters. Or maybe people screaming hateful things at somebody to protest. I can't put that up unless I have the person's permission because that's their private media. I don't know. This is what I'm talking about here. And will it work all for all people the same way? Or for some people differently than others? If you have been following Twitter, I think you know which people they would be squashing and which people they would say, oh, no problem. No See, this update will allow us to take action on media that is shared without any explicit abusive content, provided it's posted without the consent of the person depicted. So it doesn't even have to be something bad. You know, I don't want that up there. Under our private information policy, you can't share the following types of private information or media without the permission of the person who it belongs to. Now, a lot of this makes sense. Home address, physical location information, identifying information related to locations that are considered private, identity documents, on and on. But even that, okay, so wait a second. If I took a picture and I pinned it on this protest that was happening in a certain spot, am I giving away their, quote, physical location? And therefore, it should be removed? And then at the bottom, it says, the new thing is, new, media of private individuals without permission of the persons depicted. Again, every time? See, lawfully, if you're out and about on the city street, you're in a public place, and I take your picture, and I post it somewhere, I've done nothing illegal. If I try to make money on that picture, now I've done something illegal. Because you're out in the public. It's no longer private. That's the way our law is right now. So what are they talking about here? And is it is it your private picture if you're engaged in public activity like a protest rally? Hmm. 
How about if somebody's breaking into my car? Can I post that? Or you catch somebody on camera committing a crime. Are you allowed to post that? When private information or media has been shared on Twitter, we need a first-person report or a report from an authorized representative in order to make the determination that the image or video has been shared without their permission. Learn more about reporting on Twitter. So, newsworthy private info left at a computer store, maybe? I don't know, say by a presidential candidate's son? Would that be considered private info you can't put out? They already blocked that. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's liberal? No, you can't put it up. Conservative? Sure, we'll put it up against those people. When we are, that's not how it works. Sure looks like it. When we are notified by individuals depicted or by an authorized representative that they did not consent to having their private image or video shared, we will remove it. Mm-hmm. Public figures, though, or individuals, when media and accompanying tweet text are shared in the public interest or add value to public discourse, will allow it. Didn't the Hunter Biden text messages and emails and photos that the New York Post put forward didn't they contribute to the public interest and the public discourse? No, we can't have those. Oh, it was stolen. That was, no, it wasn't stolen. We recognize there are instances where account holders may share images or videos of private individuals in an effort to help someone involved in a crisis situation, such as the aftermath of a violent event or as part of a newsworthy event due to public interest value. And this might outweigh the safety risk to a person. Well, yeah, sure, depending on if you're woke or not. <laughs> we always try to assess, listen to these, listen to these ambiguous words on purpose. We always try to assess the context in which the content is shared, right? And then it goes on. And whether the image is publicly available or is being covered by, get this, mainstream traditional media, newspapers, TV channels, online news sites, mainstream traditional media. You think they're going to include, you know, things like my show? Or any other conservative media? Yeah. Or if a particular image and the accompanying tweet text adds value to the public discourse, is being shared in the public interest, or is relevant to the community. And who gets to decide that? The people at Twitter. Oh, no. There won't be any bias there. YouTube, the same thing. They just sent me, hello, admin. We're updating our YouTube terms of service that apply to users in your domain. Making it easier to understand what to expect as we use the service, and this is basically about reorganizing some sections, such as account suspension and termination, and rewording others, such as changing this agreement. Inclusion of the community guidelines strikes process is now explicitly including this information in the terms to increase transparency. Yeah, get ready for more censorship from Twitter and more censorship from YouTube. I'm telling you, big tech it is the town square now. That's why it is a free speech issue. I, I'm a conservative and I don't believe government should be telling private companies what to do. These are private companies. However, they have special protections because of what type of companies they are from the law. And that means that to me, they should be allowing people, as long as it's not illegal, to post whatever they want. But they're not doing that because they're trying to decide what's information and disinformation and it's all bias and it's, it's really squashing the debates we need to have in this country. So a couple of things are going to happen. Either the government's going to do something about it or, or hopefully very soon some of these other platforms are going to elevate that are not squashing the public speech. Things like Parler and Gab and Rumble, and that's why I have accounts on all of those too. Hey, in just a second, I want to talk about another liberal mayor that says defunding the police isn't working. <laughs> what a shock. But if you're enjoying the show, 
I'm asking you to be a part of this movement to combat the far left's version of America, what's happening in places like Twitter and YouTube. We've got to get this information out so people know so that they actually become woke, but are kind of woke, right? So please listen to the podcast, share it, review it, follow it, subscribe to it, all those things. Share it with three people and ask them to share it with three people so we can grow it. And like the Greg Knapp Experience Facebook page, you can keep up to date with me there. And I'm also on Twitter and Gab and Rumble and YouTube. And that's about it, man. I don't got time for that stuff. Ain't nobody got time for that. So just search for Greg Knapp Experience and it'll be right there. All right. Let me get into another progressive mayor saying defunding the police isn't working. I mean, these people, they're finally figuring it out. Well, kind of. Carlos Garcia reporting the liberal mayor of Oakland, California, has blamed defund rhetoric for the lack of police recruits. She explained the city was in great need of more police officers. It's not just the defund rhetoric, okay? Unfortunately, there have been protests in your city. The city council members, people like you, uh, all kinds of BLM and Antifa movement people have been saying the police are horrible. At these protests, they chant ACAB and write it places with graffiti. And it stands for all cops, not some, all cops are bastards can't figure out why you wouldn't want to be a police officer in one of those cities. And as you paint every police officer as a horrible, awful, evil racist, how are you going to get more people of color to become police officers? Which is what you say you want for diversity. You didn't think this through very well, did you? And as you decrease the police and crime increases, then what? Send in a social worker. (laughs) It'll be great. So Mayor Libby Schaff, a Democrat, says Oakland is experiencing a surge in violent crime. 127 murders already this year. The budget of the police force is scheduled to be decreased by $18 million next year. Quote from the mayor. And we know that's not unique to Oakland, but let me be clear. We appreciate the incredible service of the hardworking men and women that are in our police department. We want people to be proud of being in this service to our community. (laughs) Too late. I do want to call into attention the change in bail policies. Oh, bail policies. Yeah. You mean just letting people go? No bail? Yeah. Well, we believe that change is not giving sufficient weight in its consideration of gun-related crimes. You think? Two members of the council have agreed that these lax bail policies are adding to the growing crime rate. I love this from council member Trevor Reed. When those who are committing crime realize there's no accountability on the street or in the court system, we're seeing that dangerous rise of distraction before our eyes. (laughs) I mean, who would have thought? You don't hold people accountable. You you don't enforce the law on the street or in the court system. And then people break the law more. I mean, this is... Schaaf still supports, though. The mayor here still supports defunding the police, just calling for a delay. Oh, yeah, just the delay. You know what that's like? It's like taking some milk out of your refrigerator. You take a big swig. You realize that it's gone bad. And then you go, you know what? I'm going to put this back in the refrigerator, come back in a week, and see how it tastes then. Give that one a try. Timothy Narazi is reporting on what's going on with Democrats who are trying to make sure we don't hear any misinformation. Ready? A nonprofit group called the Democracy Integrity Project. I love how people call themselves things that are actually the opposite of what they are. The Democrat, the Democracy Integrity Project, 
a nonprofit heavily backed by liberal donors, was set up to combat disinformation. But guess what? We find out from tax documents that this group paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in 2020 to the researchers who created the Steele dossier. The discredited one? Yes. The thing that nothing in it was true? True. Well, I mean, stuff that was in there that was in the public domain was true, but none of the other stuff was true? Exactly. Right. So let's check. Who... Who was pushing misinformation? I mean, was every Democrat involved with the Steele dossier? DNC? Check. Hillary Rodham Clinton campaign? Check. So-called Democracy Integrity Project? Check. They paid $521,000 to Christopher Steele, $405,000 to Fusion GPS last year. So even after they knew all the, all the horrible things about the Steele dossier, they still gave money to these guys. Well, yeah, because to them, the Steele dossier was gold. I mean, the Steele dossier is what helped destroy Trump's presidency in terms of him not getting everything done that he wanted to and, you know, making it very hard for him to get anything done. Although you look at what he did with all this swirling around him for four years, it's amazing. And probably also helped him not get reelected. The tax form goes on to say the nonprofit reports original, credible, and fact-based information. Their mission is to educate the public on matters such as foreign election interference, global extremism, corruption, and coordinated disinformation. No one has done more coordinated disinformation than the Democrats over the last four years. And that steel dossier with the Russian hoax, that's got to be the biggest coordinated disinformation in the history of our country that was basically an attempted soft coup. The New York Times reported, of course, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the New York Times reported in 2018 that George Soros gave at least a million to the Democracy Integrity Project and is considering donating more. Of course, you know about the, the Steele dossier. Steele worked for Fusion GPS, a firm hired by Mark Elias, lawyer for the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC, to compile the Steele dossier. All of it turned out to be bunk. The Washington Post has had to quietly edit and add notes to over a dozen articles to basically backtrack from what they reported in the Steele dossier. CNN, which hyped the Steele dossier for years, finally published a piece earlier this month. The credibility of the dossier has significantly diminished. Yeah. A series of investigations and lawsuits have discredited many of its central allegations, you mean all of them, and exposed the unreliability of Steele's sources. They also raised serious questions about the political underpinnings of some key explosive claims about Trump by shedding new light on the involvement of some well-connected Democrats in the dossier and separate efforts to prod the FBI to investigate ties between Trump's campaign and Russia. Yeah, they left out the part about a lot of the government agencies, you know, Breaking the law in it. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the Durham report that hopefully will come out eventually one day. We're finally getting some of this stuff out. But, man, you you really got to look at the far left's projection. Anytime they accuse someone of doing something, they're probably doing it. You're racist. Nope, they are. You're colluding with Russia. Nope, they are. And on and on. Hey, one of the reasons your gas prices are going up did you know that there are banks refusing to do business with oil companies? Refusing to loan money to oil companies or do any service with them. And part of that is because of the Biden administration. Some states are fighting back. Yeah, uh, this is a great piece by Tristan Justice at The Federalist. Said, Biden has been aggressive in curtailing oil and gas development. And he promised he would on the campaign trail, right? 
suspension of new leases on federal land that the courts have pushed back against, prohibition of new drilling sites on major untapped reserves, higher fees in the pipeline for new energy exploration permits, of course, shutting down pipelines and looking to shut down more. But did you know that the Biden administration put pressure on Wall Street to refuse investment in the very capital-intense industry of fossil fuels? And that's what's dealt the biggest blow to producers, and that's helped spike prices at the pump. See, it, it doesn't take long. The second the investment goes down, those prices go up because they know it's going to be a supply-demand problem. Kathleen Zgama, president of the Denver-based industry trade group Western Energy Alliance, said, we can't get capital because they're putting so much pressure on banks not to lend to us in the name of climate change. And you remember I brought you a couple weeks ago, Biden's nominee for Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, Sally Amarova, says she wants fossil fuel industries to go bankrupt. Now, there are a couple Democrats who say that she should not be confirmed, but I don't know. We'll see how that goes. And she could easily weaponize the department to deter investment in the fossil fuel industry. In 2017, she urged Congress to delegate a golden share responsibility to federal agencies. She defined it as a wide range of legal arrangements, giving the government special, exclusive, and non-transferable corporate governance rights in privately owned enterprises. Translation, get the government all up in your business and stop it from getting the help that it needs from banks. So 15 state financial officers have sent a letter to U.S. banks threatening to pull $600 billion from them of state funds if they won't give equal service to the energy industry. And you're going to have to push back like this. It's led by West Virginia Republican Treasurer Riley Moore. They promised collective action in the form of an economic boycott. See, this is all about your ESG score. The what? The ESG score. We'll get to this in just a second. But Moore said, how can we as states get dollars from severance taxes, you know, from these oil and gas companies, and then park it in banks that are at the same time trying to diminish those dollars by trying to boycott our industries? This is just more of the same from these woke capitalists global interests out there when it's them trying to dictate to us the way we need to live our lives. Yeah, your ESG score. If you haven't heard about this yet, man, you you, you got to get you got to get informed on this. ESG stands for environmental, social and governments. Governance, excuse me. Here's from Diligent Insights. As environmental, social, and governance issues ascend on the priority list of boards and stakeholders, third-party rating and reporting organizations have developed ways of measuring companies' efforts. Is the company failing to meet compliance obligations for environmental impact? Are diversity, equity, or other governance issues putting the company at a legal or reputational risk? The ESG reports and ratings developed answer these questions, often including a numeric or other ESG score to provide clarity on ESG actions and for investment decisions. And what this is going to be used for is exactly what they're doing with these oil companies. You guys aren't woke enough. You guys uh, have a bad ESG score. Therefore, we're not going to allow you to be invested in. Or maybe your 401k. We're not going to invest in anybody with an ESG score lower than X. And before you know it, all the things that the woke people don't like will be divested. ESG score gauges a company's performance on ESG issues and exposure to ESG-related risks. Okay, so I'm looking through this and trying to figure out exactly what's in there. You need to look at it because it's a lot of the very far, far, far left stuff. Why ESG scores and ratings matter. A company's performance on ESG issues, which span everything from cybersecurity to climate change to diversity, equity, and inclusion, is becoming an increasingly important factor for stakeholders and in investment decisions. 
And it's about time that some states started fighting back. So good on these states. Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, Louisiana, Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Carolina, South Dakota, Utah, Wyoming, Alabama, Texas, Kentucky, West Virginia. Florida should be in there. They said that some states will be joining later as they figure this thing out. I sure hope so. Every state should be joining that. (laughs) Oh, man, it's Christmas time. Are you ordering a lot of stuff online? Having it delivered to your home? There's a new survey from SafeWise and Cove Home Security, and they found an estimated 210 million packages were stolen over the past 12 months in the U.S., and here we are at Christmas season. More than half of the stolen packages cost between $50 and $200. They say, of course, the quicker you can get it off your porch, the better. But they also said if somebody does steal your package, file a police report, include any security footage you might have, Contact the sender in case you can get a free replacement. You can file claims with the carrier who delivered the package as well, and you may be able to get something out of it. You know, maybe we should get our police to pursue these crimes, especially when there is video footage, and maybe we could stop some of these things. You know what we can also do is give the special instructions on where they should put it, put it around back, put it behind the bushes, put it wherever, where maybe it's a little bit hard for people to, to steal it. You've heard all about the supply chain shortages and, you know, you've probably been infected, uh, infected, probably been affected a little bit by them, but now it gets real. About to get real, y'all. Yep. Alcohol supplies could be impacted by supply chain shortages. Kevin Bessler reporting that demand for liquor surged during the pandemic. Some of it takes years to make. Some brands are not harder to find. You throw in the supply chain problem. Scott Morad, Chief Operating Officer of the Alcohol Beverage Company, Hillebrand. The global supply chain is kind of like an orchestra. Hard to turn the page when things change and the world around us is getting so dynamic and we're not nimble enough to always handle the different buying patterns and what's going on. Multiple states reporting supply issues since September. Some like Pennsylvania instituting purchase limits to ration liquor supplies. Oh, I've got beer money. It doesn't matter. They're rationing. The liquor supplies. They think it may be here till sometime in 2022 and maybe longer. Stock up now. All right. The Daily Mail reporting on Cuomo. The Cuomo thing has gotten even worse. Uh, I haven't reported on every little bit of it because, you know, it gets annoying and it's, you know, CNN and most people don't pay attention anyway. But now, according to the Daily Mail, even liberal pundits stunned that Chris Cuomo has not been fired yet. They have finally suspended him, pending further evaluation. What else is there to evaluate? I don't know. But they're still, they suspended him. Nobody's noticed yet, but they're pending further evaluation to see if they're going to fire him. And here's what happened. Documents from this investigation into Governor Cuomo at the time and his sexual harassment allegations and sexual uh, assault allegations. Um, the transcripts have come out and showed just how much Chris Cuomo was involved in trying to help his brother while he was still an anchor at CNN, that he conspired with the then Governor Cuomo's aide, Melissa DeRosa, to undermine his brother's sex accusers. Court transcripts revealed how Chris Cuomo conspired with his brother's team after claiming he hadn't. Chris Cuomo said in August that he never made calls to the press on behalf of his brother. Well, I mean, it was the press aides, you know, just for information. Anybody else coming forward against my brother? Hey, when is Ronan Farrow's piece going to come out? I mean, you know, that's all he did. He wasn't really calling the press on behalf of his brother. He was just finding things out. Mm -hmm. The evidence from the attorney general's report includes text where he told Melissa DeRosa he would look into the allegations with his sources. 
He then said he wanted to help draft statements for the team. He also revealed that his friend asked Alec Baldwin to make a video defending his then-governor brother. I mean, what, what better character witness could you have than Alec Baldwin? <laughs> Journalists across the board calling for him to be fired. Deeply unethical behavior, but not over the view. They said, hey, he didn't break the law. So it's not illegal? That's the standard now. For so-called journalism at a mainstream network. I wonder if Twitter thinks this is, you know, the mainstream network that you can trust. Fine with these journalists, I'm sure. CNN finally suspending. Um, by the way, he was, he was using his position, Chris Cuomo was, and his influence on the inside at CNN to help manage and hide his brother's sexual scandals. And it harmed brave women coming forward. But, you know, this is CNN. And it's not just CNN. Over at MSNBC, we got a little interesting thing going on. According to Andrew Stiles, a Cuomo advisor, Governor Cuomo at the time, advisor, uh, and her name is, I'm sorry, hang on one second. How am I missing her name? Uh, Smith. It's Liz Smith. She had somebody at MSNBC giving her information, her spin, verbatim, right? So here's, here's how they put it, how Andrew Stiles put it. So Elliot Spitzer's ex-lover, Liz Smith, who was Governor Cuomo's aide, texted talking points to Keith Olbermann's ex-lover, Katie Turr, on MSNBC, who repeated them verbatim on the air. So you got Spitzer, the disgraced former governor because of a sex scandal who was the ex-lover of Governor Cuomo's aide, who is now an ex-governor with a sex scandal, who texted the talking points to Keith Oberman, a far-lefty demagogue, to his ex-lover, who works at MSNBC, who then said it on the air. <laughs> I'm, I, it's, it was hard for me to even get that out, so I hope you can follow it. This is what Liz Smith had texted, uh, I'm texting with Katie Turr. Katie is spinning, is saying my spin live, like verbatim. But, you know, can't figure out why some people don't want to trust the mainstream news. My name's Greg Knapp. This is the Greg Knapp Experience.